Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hope Is Here podcast. My name is Gabe Schumacher, and you're listening to episode 19, where we're going to start off by reading Acts 1-8, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and how it is upon you. Then we're going to go into uh, Romans 7 and Romans 8. We're going to read through those back to back and, uh, you know, just kind of dive into that and just start reading and start going and learn together and grow together. And it's going to be really awesome. But actually, first, before we start off with Acts 1-8, I just want to start off by praying. Lord, I thank you for everything that you do and all that you are. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit will be upon me and in me so that I can say the right things at the right time and know what to say. Because your word, it says in Luke, that you will teach me what to say when I need to know it. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for you. I thank you for all that you are, all that you do. I thank you for your power. And I thank you for blessing every single person that is listening to this, that they will receive something from this, and that they will go about their day blessed and prosperous in everything they do. In your name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Acts 1.8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, just for some context, in this... Uh, in this part, this is before Jesus's ascension, and um, he's kind of telling the people like, "What's going on? What's going to happen when he ascends?" And um, so he says, "When I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come down. We're going to high five. I'm going to go. I'm going to ascend. He's going to descend onto the earth, and uh, he will not only be upon you anymore, but he's going to be in you. He's going to fill you. And um, so, with that Holy Spirit being upon you and in you." You now have received power. And uh, we're going to go into what that power is in Romans 7 and Romans 8. So I'm just turning to Romans 7 here because I wasn't open in the start. But Romans 7, I think a lot of people, from my understanding, a lot of people look at Romans 7 and they almost use it as an excuse to continue in sin or, you know, to begin sin, you know, or just, you know, well... You know, even they say stuff like, well, even Paul had his own problems, so who am I compared to Paul? Well, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So really, it doesn't matter who you are or whose status, whether it's Paul the Apostle or anyone else in the Bible, great or small. Um, they have the ability to have the same Holy Spirit. You have the ability to harness the power within you. But if you don't know the power in you, how are you able to harness it? The power in you isn't just a power, it's a, it's a person. You can communicate with this. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not just a, a, a feeling, you know, it's not like just the crystallized, tangible presence of God, but it is a spirit, it is a, it is a living being that you can communicate with and that can grow you. And it's really awesome. And it's really cool when you really get to know Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Alright, starting in Romans 7. Or do you not know, brethren... For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, then she is released from the law of her husband. Okay, I'm going to pause there. That was just verse 2. Alright, so now we see oh, a wife is bound to her husband until the husband dies. Then she's free to go find another husband. Okay, that's the basis of it. Now we're going to continue and read that, but... So from that, you see, okay, in context, we're the woman, the law is the husband. We're bound to the law 
as long as the law exists, as long as the law is reigning over us. But Jesus comes and kills that husband. <laughs> he kills that husband. And now we are freed from that. We're free from the law because it's now dead. So now we can go join into a new covenant. And that new covenant is joining with Jesus. And uh, it's really awesome. That's why we're able to have the Holy Spirit. That's why we're able to have the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes upon us. Because we are now broken from the old covenant. That's why the Holy Spirit is no longer upon us, but in us. All right, keep it on going. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. So through Christ, we have become dead to the law. The law, it, it doesn't reign over us. Christ does now. That you may be married to another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So Paul will continue to talk about this, but the law... It, it said it arouses that sin. You know how when somebody tells you not to do something or let, for a better example, let's use a little kid instead of ourselves. <laughs> you might be a little kid listening to this. I don't even know. But anyways, all right. So you tell a little kid, hey, don't touch this or don't go there. Well, their automatic response or anybody's automatic response is, well, I'm going to want to go do that or I'm going to want to go go do whatever. You know, I'm going to want to do what you told me not to do. So in a sense, that's what the law did. The law said, do not commit adultery. The law said, do not murder. The law said, do not covet. But when people hear that, they're like, well, now I kind of have a desire to do that. You know, so that's why it says, oh, I lost my spot. That's why it says, um, the sinful passions were, which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. So the law, which was good, the law is not a bad thing, but it aroused those sinful passions that we would go towards them and those sinful passions would not lead to life. They would actually lead to death. Verse six, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of the letter. We no longer do in order to be right with God. We now be out of our righteousness with God. Our righteousness with God arouses God's desires within us. We want to do what pleases him. We no longer want to go against the law because we are no longer bound by it. We want to serve our father, serve in the newness of the spirit, not the oldness of the letter. All right. Sin's advantage in the law. Verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Verse 13, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin, through the commandment, 
might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will, for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That's where a lot of people, you know, they say, well, it's not me who does the sin. It's the sin in me. I can't control it. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. So if you are in Christ and you are a new creation, you have no excuse to sin. Now, if you still continue to sin, then that proves that you are not a new creation and you need restoration. You need salvation. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus to reveal himself to you and be born again and have the spirit, have that power of the Holy Spirit that helps you to overcome that sin. Because we can't do this in our own strength. You can't overcome anything without Jesus. He's the reason we succeed. He's the reason you win. 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We are Christian air fresheners. Everywhere we go, if you have the spirit of God in you, there should be something different about you. You should walk differently. You should look differently. You should hold yourself differently. You should do different things. You should not be going against the flow of the world. And if you're not having people come against you every once in a while, you might be going the same way. So persecution is good. People coming against you is good because you know you're doing something right. Because the world should not be going the same way as you. Or you should not be going the same way as the world. And when you go against that, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have friction. You're going to have division there, which is really good. All right. Continuing on. Where was I? Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will... For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So your flesh, in your flesh, there's there's nothing good in there. Those desires are not good. Your flesh chases after the world. You know, your mind chases after the world, unless it is renewed. You know, the Bible says, if, you're, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, I come to you with this, Romans 12, 2, renew your mind. Well, if we renew our mind, then our right hand isn't going to want to sin because out of your being, like I said before, out of your being, you do, you don't do to be out of your being, out of righteousness with God, then you do right. So if you're right with God and you're doing wrong, you're a hypocrite and a heretic and you're going against the wrong things. Now, if you are made new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you don't have to cut off your hand. You don't have to pluck out your eye because... They're made new. They're not going to go after those desires. You need to make the desires of God your desires. You have to read this word. You have to get in this word. And whatever God loves, you love. Whatever God hates, you hate. It's the fear of, of the Lord. You know, Jesus has the sevenfold spirit of God, but his number one desire was the fear of the Lord. That is very, very important. You have to fear God. Because if you don't fear God, why would you not sin? You know, the Lord was talking to me this morning. I had some really, really awesome time with him. And, uh, you know, he... Something that I'm going to start doing is, okay, I think where we left off was talking about the fear of the Lord. So Jesus, like I said, he had the sevenfold spirit of God, but his number one desire was the fear of the Lord. Above all things, he loved what God loved and he hated what God hated. Because if you don't hate what God hates, for example, sin, God hates sin. 
if you don't hate sin, why would you discontinue sin? So, like, when you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit upon you saying, hey, don't do this. Well, if you don't line up with that in your own mind, in your own heart, and you say, well, I don't really hate this. It's fine. It's not a big deal. That's just going to lead you deeper and deeper and deeper into a pit that you don't want to go to because sin will take you way farther than you want to go. I look back at my own life and... I mean, sin took me to some spots that I really didn't want to be in. Like, it looks nice. It looks good on the outside. It's that lamb and sheep or that wolf and sheep's clothing, you know. But really, it's it's not good. Um, it, it takes you deeper than you want to go. And it's so much better to just fix your eyes on Jesus and keep on chasing after him. Because the things that he has for you are so much better, so much deeper, and so much more intimate in relationship than anything else in the world. Relationship with Jesus, Holy Spirit, communion with Holy Spirit is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I can't think of anything, anything better than that. Because one, the Holy Spirit will never pass away. God will never pass away. John 1.1, 1, 1, His, I mean, He is unchanging. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's forever been that way, and it's not going to change. He's unchanging, and it's awesome. He's always going to love me no matter what. He's always going to be there for me to bring me out and put me on top because I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. God loves me. And that's why I win. Second Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph and through me spreads the fragrance of his knowledge in every pray, in every place. We are Christian air fresheners. I don't remember if I said that in the last segment, but wherever you go, you should walk different. You should look different. You should hold yourself different. There should be something different about the way you talk. People should change when they're around you. They shouldn't do certain things when they're around you because they feel that presence, you know, that presence of God that is so strong on the inside of you, that Holy Spirit that is so strong. You may be a small person, but your spirit man is a giant. Your spirit man is so strong. You're bigger than you even think. So if you know the power that kind of brings me back to what I was saying in the start, Acts 1.8. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will, you will receive power. Well, how are you going to know how to harness that power if you don't know the power on the inside of you? You have to have communion with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Communion is divine intimacy. It is like really, really close, intimate friendship. That's what communion is. And we need to have that communion with the Holy Spirit, with that power on the inside of us, so we can learn how to harness that and what to do with it. You know, just let the Holy Spirit flow. Let Him do what He wants to do. A lot of people don't surrender their life to God because they're afraid of what they might have to do. You know, a lot of people love the idea of surrendering to God. You know, they sing it in praise and worship. Lord, I give you my all. I surrender all. I surrender to you. You know, they sing those songs in praise and worship and before church and in the car and on their drive, you know, whatever, you know. But then when they really think about it, they're like, man, I don't think I want to give my all. Because what if God has me do something that I don't want to do? Well, that's where the fear of God comes in. You have to love what he loves and hate what he hates. You need to trust in him. You need to trust in the divine plan of God and know Jeremiah 29, 11, know the word, know where it says the thoughts that I think towards you are good, not evil, peace, and not, not bad things. Everything that God has for you is good. You need to trust him and lean on him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, those who lean on the Lord, or let's, let's go there quick. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, those paths lead to good things. Those paths won't lead to death. John 10, 10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
but I have come, but Jesus has come, so that you may have life and life more abundantly. Now that looks different for every single person, but life in itself is awesome. Life more abundantly is even better. I mean, it says in Psalms, my cup runs over. It doesn't say you fill my cup half full. It doesn't say you fill it right to the brim. It says it's overflowing. You continually pour into me. But when you are continually poured into, you need to make sure that what is going into you comes out at the same time. The Dead Sea is is the only body of water, I believe, I think, from what I know. From little that I know, what I understand is that the Dead Sea is the only body of water that the flow goes in, but it never goes out. And it's not good water. You have to have that flow going out of you. When the Holy Spirit brings himself, when the Holy Spirit pours himself into you, it should be automatic to let him flow out for you to go and walk up to people and share your testimony and share about Jesus in some way or another. Now, I'm not saying you always have to go up to every single person in Walmart or the grocery store or whatever place that you're in and say, hey, let me talk to you about Jesus, you know, or hey, can do you need prayer? But it's not a bad thing to do. You know, there's been times where I go and I go through the drive-thrus. Um, there was one time where it was late at night and I was just really on fire that night. I was like, man, I just need to talk to someone about Jesus. So I drove to a city and I would go through the drive throughs and go into restaurants and just get like one little thing, you know, or something like that. I had a lot of food. It, it added up. But I would just say, hey, is there anything that you need prayer for? Or, hey, can I pray with you? And they would either say, no, absolutely not. You know, I, I had that. He just said no and shut the window and I drove away. <laughs> or they're like, out of respect, just said, well, sure, you can you can pray with me or whatever. Like I had one guy, you could tell that he really didn't want it, but he didn't want to turn away a customer kind of deal. So I prayed with him and whatever. He he doesn't have to be in faith for it to make a difference in his life. You know, the prayers of a righteous person will avail much. I think it says something like that in the Bible, but it's not on his end. It's on my end. It's on the righteous person's end. So, I mean, it's not bad to go out and do those things, but you're supposed to be a living representation of God on this earth. You know, you are the image of God on this earth. So in everything you do, you should represent him. Paul says in Philippians, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So if to die is gain, we shouldn't be afraid of anything. Because like people say, oh, death is terrible. You know, you. I mean, what happens when you die? Well, I get to go be with God. I mean, the best thing you can ever do to me is kill me because then I'm going to be with my father. I mean, then all the suffering, all the pain in this world is far from me and I'm with Jesus. I no longer have to work to overcome those things. I am just in eternal peace now. But to live is Christ. Now what that means is we should be living, breathing, walking images of the Son of God on this earth as long as we are alive. And it's really not hard to do because Jesus says my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I mean, if his burden, a burden which is supposed to be heavy, if his if his burden quote unquote is light, what do we have to worry about? You have Jesus on your side. The one in you is greater than anyone in this world. You've got this, man. Just keep on going. Keep on pushing. Keep on living for him. It's going to be worth it in the end. You know, no matter what, if you're not seeing results, if you're not seeing whatever, just keep on going after him. Just keep on loving him. Keep on trusting in him. You know, the woman, the woman with the issue of blood, she was sick for nearly 10 years and she just touched the hem of his garment. She had that encounter with Jesus. And he felt the power go out from in him, from from within, 
oh my goodness. He felt the power go out from within him and it healed her. And he turned and said, who touched me? You know, I mean, but she just continued to trust in God. She didn't say I've been sick for so long. I, I can't do this anymore. I see Jesus over there. I see this power right at my fingertips, but I'm just going to leave it go. It's been 10 years. No, she put everything she had and she didn't say, I need to talk with him. I need to get divine prayer from him. She just said, all I need to do is touch the hem of his garment and I will be healed. That is the type of faith that we need to have to live out this life and walk in this life and to win in this life because you are created to be a winner. If you weren't created to constantly win, it wouldn't say in Deuteronomy, I'm the head and not the tail. Above only and never beneath. The head and not the tail. Above only and never beneath. 2 Corinthians 2.14 wouldn't be. Thanks be unto God who always causes us a triumph. You know, yeah, we have hardships. We have tough things. We have tough things that happen in life. But we don't need to be defined by those things. We can overcome them. It says in James that through tribulation, through all these things, we can joy. Now, it's kind of weird to see somebody join in tribulation, but it should be normal to see people join in tribulation. You know, I think I've talked about this before, but um, my lifting coach in high school, I remember standing out. We, we would always stand outside the weight room. We would, um, he'd kind of talk to us a little bit and then we'd, he'd open the doors and we'd run in there and we'd start lifting. It was an absolute blast. Uh, just the atmosphere of that was nuts. Anyways, well, I remember he was always fired up about something and it was awesome. It was so fun to see because he was, he's a winner, you know, in everything he did, he was a winner and he still is to this day. Coach Jason Reeder, absolute stud. Um, but anyways, so he said, he was basically saying like, things go wrong. Good. And he, he has a, a deep, mean voice, loud voice. I mean, he would yell at you. I remember he yelled up in my face just not because he was mad, just because he was fired up. My ears were ringing. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking back on that. He was a stud. Um, but he said, things go wrong, good. Stuff doesn't go your way, good. Challenges come, good. Because in tribulation, we can joy in everything we do. We can joy and overcome because Christ is in us. Through Christ has overcome the world. Thanks be to God. Oh, that's amazing. All right. That was a good little five-minute section there. Now, we're going to get into Romans 8. This is a really good chapter. I heard this preached on by Dr. James Tan. I very much respect him. He is very smart, knowledgeable in the Word, and very good at flowing in the Holy Spirit. Um, he describes it as, as you come to know the Holy Spirit, it's like a fish swims in water. He doesn't have to try. You know, like we think of trying to swim in the water and breathe underwater, and we're like, man, that's kind of tough. But a fish just does it because it's it's na it's natural for it. Well, that should be how we live in the Holy Spirit, just natural. But anyways, I look up to that man. I mean, he has answered a lot of my questions. He has helped me through a lot of times in my life and just, you know, different things. So follow him on Instagram at just doc, just James. Um, there, he has a lot of good stuff on there. All right. Romans 8. There is, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's like all we need right there. I think I've talked about that before, but that is amazing. So if you are in Christ, if you are that new creation, if you're born again, if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, there's no condemnation in that. That That is pretty awesome. I mean, no matter what we do, we can't go wrong. I mean, we don't want to sin because out of our being, we want to do well. But if we do, if we happen to mess up, which we shouldn't, but if we do, we have an advocate. We have an advocate at the right hand of the Father. 
and we have an adversary saying that we should go to hell, saying that we should do this, saying that we're not worth it, but we have an advocate saying, no, look at my hands. Look at the holes in my hands. Look at the holes in my feet. I paid the price already. Who do not walk according to the flesh. Okay, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life, so no longer the letter, no longer the letter, the Old Testament law, but now the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death, like we read before. We no longer look to the law. We no longer have that sin aroused by the law. We are free from the law. We are now in the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, which has made us free from that law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, like we said, it would the law would arouse those sinful desires in us. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. We are no longer condemned. It is the sin that is now condemned. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When you walk according to the flesh, you'll always mess up. But you walk according to the spirit, you'll always do right. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Remember when I was talking about your right hand, your right eye, and how you got to pluck them out if you're doing wrong and all that stuff. Well... Look at this. If you set your mind on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh, if you don't set your mind on those lustful desires and those sinful passions, then you're not going to, they're, they're not going to bear fruit in your life. But you, fruit unto death, that is. But if you set your mind on the things of the spirit, then your, your, your outward being is going to be doing the things of the spirit. For, for to be carnally minded or to be fleshly minded, thinking on things of the flesh, that's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why wouldn't you want life and peace over death? Jesus brings life. The devil brings death. Chase after life. Chase after Jesus. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's kind of like without, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews eleven six. But if you are spiritually minded, you're pleasing your father because he loves that. He loves to see his children flowing in the Holy Spirit like that. All right, we're gonna kind of fly through this chapter. Um, we might go over it later or more in depth. But um, yeah. Anyways, we're just gonna kind of skim over some stuff and come back to it possibly later. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, so if the spirit of God dwells in you, you're a born-again Christian. You're a born-again Christian by accepting Jesus into your heart, accepting that Holy Spirit. Well, now you're, not, you're no longer in the flesh. You're in the spirit if you have the Holy Spirit. So if you're not living right, some of this is kind of confusing and it takes some studying out. And I'm still studying this stuff out. And I'm still learning so much. I'm always constantly learning and trying to learn. I mean, I've dove into this chapter so many times. But if you, if the Spirit of God is in you, you cannot be unpleasing to your Father because when He looks at you, He's looking into a mirror. He's looking into a mirror and He's seeing Jesus on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not His. So you cannot be born again without the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you are led and guided in every single way. You, I mean, 
you are able to know what to say exactly when you need to say it. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift ever give, ever given to mankind next to the salvation of your soul, which they're kind of one and the same, but it's the second best thing that God ever did. The first thing, him sending his son so that you can have the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry if this chair is really squeaky. I hope that's not coming out a lot, you know, on the on the episode. I'm trying to be as quiet as I can. All right, anyways. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which it does, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, your spirit man is absolutely perfect. Your spirit man is so strong, it's it's absolutely perfect. It's seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Now, your body may not be perfect right now, but you can renew your mind. And as you renew your mind and as you grow in the Holy Spirit, everything just begins to match up and line up. Because God does not tolerate sin. God does not tolerate imperfectness, imperfection. He does not tolerate unholiness. So as you grow in him, as you have him, he will change you and mold you into the being that you are supposed to be. But if the all right, sonship through the spirit, the next section, verse twelve, it's really good. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, so we do not need to feel obligated to sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. As you grow in the Holy Spirit, as you have the Holy Spirit, you don't just not think about those things, you eliminate them from your life. You do not no longer think about the sinful desires and the lustful passions, but you eliminate them, you cut them off, you cut them off from the vine, you kill them at the root, dried up from the root. Okay. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, of whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Okay, this this part is really good. Sorry I'm skimming over this. I'm running a little bit short on time. I'm thinking we'll come back to this later. But verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All right, verse 18, like I just said. All these tough things that we're going through right now, all these trials and tribulations, we can glory in them, we can joy in them, like it says in James. And what we can keep in mind is that all these things are not even worthy to be compared. When we're in heaven one day, when we get when we get to where we want to be um, spiritually and all that stuff. You're going to look back on those trials. You're going to look back on those tribulations and say, well, that was nothing. My God is so great and so powerful and so wonderful. These things aren't even worthy. They can't even be compared with how great my God is when you truly have that revelation of who God is. You don't need to wait till you get to heaven. You can have it right now because God says that we can have heaven on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's on heaven we can have on earth. It's awesome. That's why we have the glory of God. That's why we're able to experience that divine presence, that crystallized, tangible presence of God, which is called the glory of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Okay. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Alright, we're going to jump down to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You are a winner because God is for you. God is for you, he loves you, and you can win because you have him. And that is awesome. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're supposed to be a loser. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're supposed to know defeat. You are only supposed to know triumph and winning because that's the only thing that God knows. And 1 John four seventeen says, as he is, so are you on this world. Alright. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall... How shall he not with him also freely give us all things, which shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Okay. We're going to jump to verse 37 and read through verse 39, talk about it a little bit, and then get this wrapped up. All right. Yet in all things, verse 37, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You don't conquer because God is in you. You don't conquer because God is with you. You conquer because he loves you. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and the love of God are totally inseparable. He loves you so much that nothing will ever separate you from that. No sin, no judgment, no hell can ever take you away from the love of God. He loves you and he will lift you up above every single thing that tries to come against you. Every morning, take communion, pray for your enemies. It's really awesome. It's something that I'm going to start doing and I'm really excited about it. Um, because if you pray for your enemies, you don't have to. And if you pray for those who hate you, you know, and you understand that they are loved just as you are loved, you're not going to hold a charge against them because that's not your job. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? I mean, you, you don't care about your, you don't care about their opinion anymore. You don't care about your opinion anymore. All you care about is what God says of you. You make his thoughts, his desires, your desires, your thoughts. All right. I want to let you guys know. And I want to tell you that in scripture, you can't argue this. God loves you. <laughs> God loves you more than anything else in this world. Take that. Know that. It's okay. Put away your pride. Put all that stuff away. All that junk away. And just know that God loves you and that through the love of God, you can grow to a whole nother level that you never even thought imaginable. It says um, somewhere in the New Testament that the things that God has created for those who love him, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. They're totally unimaginable. I mean, man cannot think of the things that God has created for those who love him. Make sure that God knows you. 
Know him. Take the time to recognize his love, to know his love, to dwell on his love. And it's not hard. It's easy. You can open up this word anywhere in this word and just read. Just go and just read and pray. And, you know, you read the word, then get just get in the spirit. Get in the Holy Spirit. Pray to him. Know him. You know, love him. Think about him. Worship him. Worship is a really cool way to just get into the presence of God. I usually I like to just get into the presence of God by worshiping a little bit, playing some music, playing some instrumental music, whatever, thinking about him, opening up my word and reading it. Because when I read this word, I get to know God, my father through this word, because John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The written word of God, through the written word of God, we can have relationship and grow our relationship with the true king, with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We can know that person and we can know that we don't have to be, we don't have to be condemned anymore. Because if we are in Christ, there's no more condemnation. Romans 8.1 Only life. We can have life and life everlasting through God our Father and Jesus Christ who paid it. All right. I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your time. I hope you learned something today. I know I learned a lot today just from talking. Um, and I'm going to continue in this word. And I'm really excited. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Have a good one.